Chapter 21 There were two big tests ahead for David. One was his first morphing. The other was his first battle. We'd all gotten used to morphing. Almost. But the first time was a serious eye-opener. You think you've experienced weird? You haven't experienced anything until you watch your own body turn into something extremely different. It would have been nice to have some time to prepare David. But there was no time. Eric had told us the world leaders would be showing up in four days. Time was up. They were coming. And we had to figure out which one was a controller. Protect the others. And if at all possible, find a way to warn them all of the Yurk conspiracy. I have the brochure, Rachel announced as we met once again at Cassie's barn. I downloaded it off the internet. She held out some color printer pages showing the Marriott Resort. There were photographs of rooms. Pictures of giddy, happy people in bathing suits. A shot of a big buffet table, maybe 50 feet long and loaded with food. And a map of the resort. The map showed a big main hotel building that was 20 stories high. And down closer to the beach, a jumble of smaller cottages. 10 cottages in all. They'll be in the cottages, I said. The leaders, I mean. They'll dump all their people in the main hotel building. Sounds right, Jake agreed. They'll have security so tight, no one will be able to burp without nine guys in sunglasses running over with their Uzis cocked and ready. I counted off on my fingers. French security, German security, Japanese security. Ninjas? David asked. Yeah, Jackie Chan himself, I said, rolling my eyes. He's Chinese, not Japanese, David said, rolling his eyes back at me. British security, I said adding quickly, and no one say Bond, James Bond, please. Russian security, and American Secret Service, FBI, and local cops. Jake sighed and shook his head. Now just to make things really fun, I continued, there are the Yurks. How many of the hotel's maids and waiters and pool boys are controllers? Don't know. How many of the Russian, German, British, French, Japanese, and U.S. security guys are also controllers? Don't know. All we know is that one of these presidents or prime ministers is a controller. At least one, Cassie said. Sorry to interrupt, but it's kind of important. Eric said one of them was a controller. He didn't say for sure that the other five were not. We all just gaped at Cassie. It hadn't occurred to me. It should have, but it didn't. Can I say something? David asked. Sure. Rachel said darkly, as long as it isn't more bad news. It kind of is. My dad is part of the National Security Agency. What they do is electronic surveillance. You know, like bugging phones and watching people from satellites in orbit. Well, it just seems to me, the Yurks can do all those things, plus a lot more. So probably the entire Marriott Resort is being watched by the Yurks. I'm pretty sure I said, no more bad news. Rachel grumbled. Oh, man. Nothing scares me more than Rachel being discouraged. By the time she starts worrying, any sane, sensible human being is ready to run screaming from the room. We have no choice, Jake said. Do we? If the Yurks get the president and these other guys, we might as well give up, Tobias said. Six powerful world leaders, all controllers? I mean... Those six people are just slightly more powerful than the seven of us. 
All that security, Jake said. That's a lot of ways to get shot. Yeah, Rachel agreed. So, let's do it. You ready? Jake asked David. David nodded. Okay, Jake said. This should be a nice, safe, easy trip down the coast. We're just spying the situation out. You'll need the eagle morph, but not the other morph you acquired at the zoo. Still, the morphing will be very creepy, Cassie warned. So, be prepared. What you do is just concentrate. Focus on the eagle. I could see David's brow creasing with the effort of concentration. It's going to be weird, Rachel warned. David's skin was already changing colors. It was turning a sort of medium brown. His eyes widened as he looked down at his hands. It won't hurt, I reassured him. Lines began to appear on the brown flesh. Lines that outlined feathers. And at the same time, David began to shrink. What's happening? He cried. You're getting smaller, Cassie said gently. It's part of the process. Now the lines on your skin will deepen and go three-dimensional. You may feel itching. Ah! He yelped as the outlines of feathers became actual feathers. Just hope he doesn't do that finger bone thing I did the other day, I muttered to Jake. That rock his world. Maybe I should have kept my mouth shut. Because at that exact moment, both of David's arms went shooting out, lengthening suddenly. The bones of his arms and fingers shut out, bare and white and thin as uncooked spaghetti. <laughs> David screamed. Ew! Rachel commented helpfully. Now that's gross. Right through it, Cassie said. Just stay with it. Look, see? The flesh and feathers are covering the bones now. Sure enough, the bones were only visible for a few seconds. But David was rattled. Don't sweat it, I said. Wait till you morph a fly. You want to see disgusting? That's disgusting. This is nothing. I waved my hand dismissively. I don't want to, David started to say. Then his mouth bulged out. The lips stretched, formed into a pink, fleshy beak shape, then hardened like setting cement. David was small now. Smaller than me. Half my size. But with enormously long, brown wings. His clothing was hanging loosely, wrinkled up around his feet. Probably a good thing. If he'd looked at his feet right then, it wouldn't have made him feel exactly better. Then it occurred to me. Um, guys? David here doesn't know how to morph clothing yet. He doesn't have a morphing suit. Rachel and I will look away till he figures it out, Cassie said. We can get him something nice, Rachel said, considering. I knew in her mind she was running through the stock of every store in the mall. David was almost all eagle now. Okay, now you can't talk anymore, Cassie explained to him. But you can thought speak. Just think of who you want to talk to, whether it's me, or Marco, or all of us at once. Form the words in your mind, and we'll hear them. Can you hear this? Yes, Cassie nodded. See, it's easy. But now comes the really tricky part, because the eagle's brain, its basic instincts will kick in and... The eagle head, faintly gold in the dull gray light, snapped left. The eyes focused sharply on Tobias. The golden eagle was flapping wildly, aiming sharp talons and ripping beak toward Tobias before anyone could move.
Chapter 22 David was quick, but Cassie was quick and prepared. She stepped in, expertly grabbed the flailing eagle, and held them down. See? See what I mean? Tobias demanded as he retreated back into the rafters of the barn. Golden eagles, they're all psycho. Them and crows, and jays, and a few other birds I could mention. I mean, there are plenty of mice and rabbits to go around. No one needs to be attacking fellow birds. David, David, Cassie said. Think now. Focus. Your name is David. You're human. Get a grip. The eagle flapped its wings and struggled. But even a very large bird can't fly with a girl practically riding its back. And it was still entangled in David's own clothing. Slowly, David calmed down. That was weird, he said at last. It was like I was myself, only suddenly there was someone else in my head too. You will become accustomed to it, Axe said. When I morph a human, I often experience the human mind and human instincts. The need for food, for example. Yeah, don't get between Axe and a cinnamon bun, I said. You want to try to fly? Jake asked David. Fly? Duh, what do you think those wings are for? I said. How do I do it? Well, first, wait for all of us to morph. Then, trust the eagle. He knows how to fly, Cassie said. In a few minutes, we were ready to take off. We left David's clothes behind in the barn. It was strange and kind of emotional watching someone morph for the first time. I don't know how to explain it. It was like, I don't know, like when someone becomes a citizen. You know, when they swear someone in, and one minute he's Chinese or African or Dutch or Mexican or whatever. And the next minute, once he's solemnly sworn or whatever, he's an American. As much an American as any other American. I've always been kind of affected by watching that happen. I mean, my own mother was born in another country. Anyway, that's how I felt now, watching David test out his wings. He was the new Animorph. It was official. He was one of us. And we knew nothing about him, except that he had a snake named Spawn, and a cat named Megadeth. He flew. It wasn't a great day for flying, but we had no choice. We had to scope out the Marriott Resort before all the big heavies arrived. As we flew, I tried to put myself in the head of whoever was planning security for the summit. There would be roadblocks on all the roads that approached the place. There'd be snipers on the roof, quick response teams with heavy weapons nearby, guys with shorter-launched anti-aircraft missiles. Stingers, I think they're called. Amazing what you can learn by watching movies of Tom Clancy books. They'd have boats patrolling the shoreline, probably very fast speedboats backed by Coast Guard cutters. They'd probably... This is so excellent! David yelled for about the tenth time, interrupting my thoughts once again. I can see everything. I can see little crabs all the way down there on the beach. I mean, whoa! They'd probably have sealed up every manhole cover. They might have installed automatic locks on a lot of the doors. And of... Look, look, look at this! David yelled as he caught a warm updraft, spread his wings, and went shooting straight up. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, I said. 
but I'm trying to think here. David ignored me and shot past me. Huge. Twice my size. Like a Boeing 747 jumbo jet alongside my 727. A rare glint of sun poking through the clouds flashed the muted gold of his head and neck feathers. David yelled in sheer glee. Okay, he was being annoying. But I couldn't really get mad. Flying is the coolest thing in the world. It just is. Having your own wings and being able to roam across the sky is amazing. But I was supposed to be thinking. We had to know what to look for when we reached the resort. Had to figure out how we could move within the compound. How we were going to reach the various world leaders and spy on them. And protect them. There were other birds in the sky, of course. And we were flying fairly far apart. So, as Tobias put it, We didn't look like some kind of birdwatcher's fantasy. We were spread across a mile or so of sky. Sometimes closer together. Sometimes farther apart. Depending on the breezes and the little pockets of dead air that drop you 20 feet. There were geese flying fast above us in a neat V in the sky. And there were crows, gulls, and the occasional innocent hawk, all floating around below us, looking for food or just hanging out. I didn't think anything of them, although the other birds sure noticed us. They knew the bird of prey silhouette. They knew they didn't want to be too close. David yelled. I'm doing it! It took me a few seconds to notice that his tone sounded different. More excited. More keyed up. By the time I looked, it was too late. David was tearing down, 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 like a falling rocket, swooping straight toward a careless crow. I watched, helpless. I was an osprey. There was no way I could catch him. Golden eagles are blazingly fast. Only Jake and his peregrine falcon morph might have intercepted the eagle, but he was too far away. With my laser-focused osprey eyes, I saw the big eagle talons rake forward. There was no sound as David struck the crow. They were too far below me for sound. Just one minute the crow was flying along, and the next second it was tumbling. David caught the breeze again, leveled off, and swooped back upward. The lifeless crow twirled down through the air, an unbalanced black pinwheel. What are you doing? Jake roared. Um, uh... I guess this eagle's brain kind of took over for a minute, David said. I can't believe I just did that. That poor bird. I just lost control. It was possible. It was hard sometimes to control the animal you'd morphed. So, it was possible that's what had happened. The other certainly bought it. Cassie comforted him. But I have an instinct for lies. Maybe it's because I can lie pretty well when I need to. I know a lie when I hear one. David had killed that crow. Deliberately. In cold blood. For absolutely no reason. Hey, look! Tobias said. There's a helicopter coming up behind us. Marine Corps helicopter. It's... Whoa! That must be Marine One! Marine what? Rachel asked. You know, Air Force One? The President's jet? Marine One's the President's helicopter, Tobias explained. The stuff you know, Tobias, Rachel marveled. I focused my osprey eyes on the helicopter. No time to worry about David. The helicopter was coming from the direction of the airport, 
straight toward the compound. A second, identical helicopter was a mile back from the first. A decoy. Unless the first chopper was the decoy. Then, I noticed something else. A blurring in the air above and behind the helicopter. Like the air itself was swirling a little. Almost like heat waves coming up off hot asphalt. Tobias had noticed it too. Oh man, we've seen that before. What's the matter? David demanded. Yurk Stealth Technology, Ax said calmly. Human eyes would never notice. Human radar won't spot it. But these eyes are very good. And Yurk Technology is, well, it's not exactly Endolite Technology. So what is it? David cried. Yurk Spacecraft, shielded, I said. One coming right up behind the President's helicopter. They aren't going to wait for the conference. The Yorks are going after him right now. Chapter 23 Move, move, move! Jake yelled. We hauled. We flapped our wings like insane ducks, racing to reach the helicopter before the Yorks did. It was off to our side, going the same direction as us, but still distant. At the speed the helicopters were moving they'd probably have reached the Marriott Resort in 20 minutes. It was an hour away for us. I could see from the dimensions of the shimmering effect that this was no little bugfighter moving in. This was far bigger. And there was only one York ship likely to be big enough. The Blade Ship. Visor 3's personal death-dealing machine. The shimmering air moved closer, up behind and above the helicopter. We got closer, but we were spread out, ragged. Rachel behind with Tobias, Jake and David up front, me, Cassie, and Axe, more or less in the middle. A long, narrow rectangle began to appear. It appeared in the sky as if it were just floating there. A very narrow, very long rectangle that slowly opened wider. The blade ship is opening its belly hatch, Axe said. So, he too had decided this must be the blade ship. The hatch widened opened, revealing the inside of the blade ship. It was utterly bizarre. The stealth shield didn't work over the hatch itself. I could see inside. I could see a sort of inverted cradle, ready to receive the helicopter. I could see foul tacks on heads rising from behind consoles and control panels. And I could see hork warriors wearing the red uniforms they wore aboard the blade ship. But none of this could be seen by the helicopter. The hatch was in a blind spot above and behind. And the chase helicopter wouldn't see it either. The angle was all wrong. I raced. The hatch opened. I was wearing out, beating my wings against the breeze. But I was getting closer. Suddenly, the helicopter's rotors slowed. The engine roar died out. They have it! Axe yelled. Force field is on! It killed the engines! They will probably have stunned the humans on board. The helicopter was almost directly above us now. From below, it looked sort of like a dark green boat, as seen from underwater. There were two pylons sticking out on either side for the landing wheels. Aim for those pylons, Jake said. Jake and David soared up and up. The rest of us went after them. The other choppers want to see that this one has disappeared, Tobias pointed out. Even humans aren't that blind. 
But at that moment, as if in response to Tobias's warning, something new appeared. It looked as if it were a halo of light glowing all around the helicopter. But then, it separated slowly, becoming distinct. A second helicopter! It looked as if the real helicopter had shed an outer skin. A hologram, Axe said grimly. The true helicopter's rotors had come to a stop. The hatch was fully open. Up it rose, up inside the blade ship. And the hologram of the helicopter took its place, flying along, looking exactly like the real thing. Jake and David soared. Jake flipped in midair, extended his talons, and caught an edge of one of the pylons. David grabbed a strut and held on. The hatch began to close. No way! I said. I flopped till I thought my lungs would burst. Hatch closing. Me, racing. Hatch closing. I saw Cassie zip through, followed by Axe. No time left. The hatch was closing too quickly. The opening was two feet wide. Eighteen inches. A foot. Six inches. Zoom! I blew through, scraping my belly and my back. A split second later, I'd have splatted. But I was in! I killed speed, twisted hard, swooped under the belly of the helicopter, and landed on the now-closed deck. Yes! I'd made it! I'd made it aboard the blade ship of Visor 3. Oh. Goody. What? Was I insane? Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, I do not have too much to put here this week, so let's just make this snappy, because I am hungry and I haven't eaten yet. Uh, this is my last thing I'm going to do before I get dinner, so. Update on uh, my move situation is that um, I'm still waiting on... I ran out of baffling when I did my window, and so the sound still maybe could be better. We'll see what I can do with the rest of the baffling when it arrives in the mail. In the meantime, hopefully this audio is fine. I think it is. Um, I was paying attention. Seems fine to me. Let me know if it's not, I guess. Um, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I did start the Twitter uh, so that if I have an announcement, I can post it there. So if you're ever wondering what's going on with Audiomorphs, uh, check the Twitter, and that Twitter is at Audiomorphs. Uh, speaking of the Twitter, uh, that's a great way to get in contact with me. Some other options are, excuse me, my throat's a little, is that better? Uh, my throat was a little scratchy there. I, I felt it. I felt it. Can tell I'm not really focused because I'm thinking about food. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, other ways to contact me are uh, at Gmail, uh, Audiomorphscast at gmail.com, on Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, the aforementioned at Audiomorphs on Twitter, and through my website, theapodcalypse.com. That's the apodcalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Um, that's also where I host all my other creative projects, um, such as my other podcast, Into the Rewatch podcast, where me and my friend Jesse are currently rewatching Riverdale. That's been on a brief hiatus as well, while I was figuring out my moving thing, but should be coming back. So uh, if you love Riverdale or want to learn about all the insane stuff that happens in Riverdale without having to actually watch it, Jesse and I will recap that for you and let you know our thoughts. Uh, other than that, um, if you use Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating and review if you'd like. Um, tell a friend if you'd like. All of that jazz. Uh, you know what? We're just going to call it here. Everyone have a great week. I'll see you next week.
My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>